doing this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Kyle, welcome. Hello, Joseph. Another week kicking off. Excited for this content, this concept we're working through. I have a question for you. Um, How do you take notes? Um, On anything. How do you take notes? That's a complicated question because when I watch film, I take notes on a pad of paper that looks just like this. Video you could see, but this isn't video, but it's like is that one of your those. Jor- Jordan love Heisman campaign It is, but I have, I, I acquire these all the time. So this, I'm still working on the Jordan love one, but I have like the ACC one. Iowa sends us one every year. Yep. Uh, so yep. I love this sure. for taking yep. notes while I watch film, but other notes that I take for a podcast or something like that are done in Google docs. Okay. So I picked up, I'm looking forward to implementing this and it was something I watched over the weekend and you know, on the off occasion where we get new opportunities to consume football content that is not specific to uh, scouting players. Uh, So I was watching a little bit of content that Jordan Palmer, uh, quarterbacks coach, obviously related to Carson Palmer, uh, video content that he had done. uh, And he has his quarterback summit thing out and he coaches these young quarterbacks. And he talked about, uh, the process of taking notes like an NFL quarterback and being a great student. And he said the process that he laid out, and I have not taken notes like this personally. So I was just wanted to know what, how you do it. Uh, but I thought it might be a, a helpful nugget to kind of bring. And obviously because it's coming from Jordan Palmer, it's relevant here on draft dudes uh, pretty much in real time, write Anything and everything that you possibly can down. Right. No, so if you're sitting on le- watching a lecture, you're listening to a speaker, you're watching film, you write everything that you observe in real time down on paper. And then you circle back to it and you whittle that down to a more abbreviated set of notes. And so you write it all down, you narrow that list, and then you take that list and you divide it into two columns. Your learns and your nose. So it's everything that you know, like you would know your date of birth or your full name goes in the no column. You've mastered that. And then anything that you don't have that recall or that level of mastery of goes in the learn column. And then you study that until you have it as quickly as you have the things in the no column. So I thought that was a really cool, like kind of three layered process of whittling down your notes from exploration and learning to retention. So I just didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. I was curious how you took notes. It's certainly not how I've taken notes in the past, but I'm probably going to try it this week. I've never been great with retention except for players that I write full evaluations on. And I think the reason I have success there compared to other things that I try to learn is because it does go from handwritten to a a formalized Mm -hmm. report. And so, Mm -hmm. because I do have those additional layers to it, my retention and recall is better as opposed to not having that second step. Because as I was listening to you talk there, my first reaction was, 
man, that's a lot to to do to, you know, take notes and and organize them. But then as I considered it more, those extra layers is what leads to the retention. And so if it's important enough to take notes on, it's probably important enough to retain. So just a little something quasi related, not necessarily fully related to get us started today, but something that was at the top of my mind after this weekend. Yeah. Josh, Josh Allen's quarterbacks coach there, Jordan Palmer. Mm-hmm. He's got um, some great content out there. Yeah. All right. So what are we doing today? We are going to spend today and the rest of the week really digging into the first round quarterbacks from the 2021 NFL draft and evaluating the situations that they are being put into. One thing that I feel like we've uncovered in our conversations about quarterbacks throughout the years on this podcast is that, sure, the talent that the quarterback has and the ability that that quarterback has matters a lot, but so does the situation and so does what they're being put into and what the environment is like and how they've how they have things set up, what the infrastructure around that quarterback is that's ultimately going to play a, a major, major part in their success. And so what Kyle and I are going to do is day by day, today will be Trevor Lawrence, and we'll work through all five throughout the course of the week. We are going to evaluate the situation that these quarterbacks are being put into through the lens of coaching, the quarterback room around the quarterback, the offensive line, the run game, the pass catchers, and the defense. And Kyle and I are going to grade each one of those categories on a scale of one to five. Five means that is perfect. They have everything in place, ideally, for that quarterback to succeed. Three is average. It's fine. It's okay. And then one is a fail. They have failed this young quarterback in this department by what they have around them. So that's that's the, the project here. And today we're going to dig into Trevor Lawrence. Excited to get started. So every quarterback has, from individually, they have a, a possible 30 points available because there's six categories. And so let me tell you, as I've worked ahead on this project, some of these guys aren't getting close to 30 at all. And remember, 15 is average. 15 would be an average surrounding. So the, the, the scale, just I think it's important for everyone to know as we start this project what that scale could look like. And I think the, uh, the last little bit of information here is – we're draft guys and we rank things. So Joe mentioned a 30 point scale and 30 point outcome. You can bet at the end of the rainbow. Yep. We're going to rank them and we're going to see how they measure up to each other. Yes. All right. So let's get into Trevor Lawrence. The first category up is coaching. And um, I did some work looking into these coaches. Obviously the head coach is urban Meyer who has no NFL experience. Their offensive coordinator is Daryl Bevel. And their passing game coordinator is Brian Schottenheimer. Now, while Meyer doesn't have any NFL experience, Bevel and Schottenheimer do. 43 years of NFL coaching experience combined from Bevel and Schottenheimer. Bevel was in Seattle for the first six years of Russell Wilson's career. He worked with Stafford in Detroit the last two seasons. Schottenheimer, oddly enough, he took over for Bevel in Seattle in 2018. And then his real experience with a high-profile young quarterback was being in New York for when Mark Sanchez was drafted to the Jets. And he also spent time with Sam Bradford early in his career in Seattle. And then one other nugget that I have to have to spell out here is not only did Schottenheimer replace Bevel, but interestingly enough, Marty Schottenheimer, or excuse me, Brian Schottenheimer was Brett Favre's offensive coordinator in New York. And Bevel was Brett Favre's offensive coordinator in Minnesota. 
I know that doesn't really have anything to do with Trevor Lawrence, but how do these guys unite to this situation in this moment in time? I think that was pretty fascinating. Lots of uh, prominent names over the last 15, 20 years of quarterback play in the NFL, uh, all converging, all those experiences converging here on Trevor Lawrence uh, in Jacksonville. Joe, if I set the over-under – at two and a half. Okay. Are you over or under? I'm over. I have him as a three. Okay. You know, like you said, it's it's middle of the road. It's okay. I appreciate the experience that you laid out with Bevel and Schottenheimer and how they've been hands-on with young quarter. Uh, do I love the overall coaching situation in Jacksonville right now? No, uh, but some of that's also due to the unknown components of Urban Meyer and him not having any NFL experience and apparently yeah. getting surprised that he's not able to be more hands-on <laughs> with players. I don't know if you saw that last week, but of he course, was yeah. reportedly, quote-unquote, frustrated by the lack of contact and communication between players and coaches this offseason. So, um that for me is kind of the black lining around the silver cloud. I know I inverted that and it's usually black cloud, silver lining, but like just the uncertainties of urban Meyer prevents me from scoring this too highly, but I have a a good amount of respect for the accomplishments of these two assistant coaches that have prominent roles. All right. So you got it at a three. I have it at a 3.75 and I oh, took off of decimals and stuff. Here yeah, I had, All right. yeah, I had to, man. I, I don't have a lot of those, but this is one of those times. Chris has a panicked look in his eyes right now. You can do it. You got a spreadsheet. You're keeping track. I took off a full point for Urban Meyer, a complete unknown, right? In mm-hmm. the NFL, has never developed or coached a franchise quarterback in the history of his life, right? So that that's concerning to me. And so that. You know, if I look at it through, okay, well, they have Bevel, they have Schottenheimer, a lot of experience there, a lot of, like you said, a lot of opportunities working with young quarterbacks, a lot of experience. I will say that you don't really look at either one of them and and find a long-sustained resume of having, like, high-caliber offenses. They've been good. There's, there's just never been top tier. I like the experience, right. though, and I think that they made up a lot of ground by having them both there. So I, I, I kind of – Bumped it up just a little bit to a 3.75, so a little bit okay. above average in my mind. I am uh, going to be completely re-questioning my grading scale in real time as we go here, just because <laughs> I had all, right, all so- solid numbers and a couple of halves, and that was it. So yeah, that, I, I don't think I have any other 0. 0.75 or 0. 0.25. Okay, but, good. All right, so, so next up is the quarterback room, and the quarterbacks that the Jacksonville Jaguars have to go with Trevor Lawrence are Gardner Minshew, C.J. Beathard, and Jake Lutton. You would love to have somebody with some more NFL experience, right? The most experienced guys here are both Minshew and or, or Beathard was the 2018 draft, if I remember correctly. It was one of those that we were together in 20, Arizona. Twenty. It was it's 2017 draft, excuse 17. me. Okay. So, yeah, so C.J. Beathard is the most accomplished quarterback in this room, and I would love to have had somebody with a more robust starting experience to kind of allow him to lean into and 
learn a little bit from. I gave this a two and a half. Um, it's not brutal. It's not like what Joe Burrow walked into last year. Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew's obviously had some success at mm-hmm. the NFL level. Uh, but I would have really loved to have had somebody who started for a playoff team throughout the course of a 7 to 10, 12-year career and somebody who's been around the block a bunch of times. Or alternatively, somebody who has dealt with some of the pressures and experiences of being a high draft pick and having the weight of a franchise placed on your shoulder. Yep. So uh, there's a couple different ways they could have gone about it that would have helped them in my perspective. Uh, so I gave them a two and a half. I gave them a two because I think this is a below average situation and not to echo your thoughts, but to add something to everything you said, because I really agree is not only do you really not have a guy that has experience doing much, you have a lot of young quarterbacks who I'm sure Gardner Minshew thinks that he should be a starter and whether like he's going to play the game, right? He's going to do what he has to do to bring along Trevor, right? But Gardner wants to play and CJ Beathard, like, no, he didn't have a ton of success in San Francisco, but he started some games and had some decent moments. He's probably a guy that wants his opportunity to prove that he's a guy that's worthy of carrying a clipboard for a long time. And then Jake Lutton is obviously so green in the NFL. There's there's not much to, to glean from him. But I, I do get nervous about this mix of quarterbacks without there being anyone who you really feel like is going to embrace that role of being Trevor Lawrence's backup. And I think that's an important thing for a quarterback to have you know, in year one. Did you guys know about all the great flavors of Built Bars? There no, is something, please tell me more. Something for everyone, Kyle. They got oh, coconut, great. cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, mm. cookies and cream. They're all mm. delicious. My favorite is the cookies and cream. If you don't know where to start and you want to try Built Bars, get a mixed box. You can get two of each of the nine flavors by trying out a mixed box, and then you can go from there and figure out which ones you like. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, They're healthy, too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. If you want to try Built Bar, I got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, and it'll get you 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So, Kyle, next up is the uh, offensive line. And... This Jaguars offensive line is returning all five of their starters from last year, and they're one of only, I think, five teams in the NFL that can say that they're returning all of their starters. Left tackle Cam Robinson, left guard Andrew Norwell, center is Brandon Linder, right guard is A.J. Can, right tackle is Jawan Taylor. Now, I don't know that any of those are star players, but they're experienced. They have, you know, they play together, and when you think about the coordinators that they have in Bevel, and you know, I know that Schottenheimer's the passing game coordinator, you do have a pretty good history of running the ball. And so I like an experienced offensive line where Trevor Lawrence, he shouldn't really have to spend a lot of times, you know, making sure that the protections are set. Like that's something that these guys should be able to take care of on their own in year one and allow Trevor Lawrence to really focus on the back seven. So I like the makeup of this offensive line from an experience perspective. I think there's some upside with Juwan Taylor, Cam Robinson's in a prove-it year. You got a veteran middle three. I'm giving this a solid four. A four? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think the, the, the returning, the, the these five guys have played together, and I think that's going to matter a lot. Well, I also think the talent level matters. Uh, so I gave them a three. It's just the middle of the road group for me. Um, 
I think the 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 thing that stung the most, right, was you had a pick in the twenties, you had the thirty three overall pick, yeah, in a really good offensive line class, and you walked away with Walker Little, who our group was not particularly fond of. There's some major injury questions there and durability and what tax that has taken on his body throughout the course of his time at Stanford. And um, as you said, they brought back their entire starting group. I don't even think Walker Little is in a place to push anyone for a starting role right now on this offensive line. So that's a long-term play, and that's fine because this is going to be a long-term process for Jacksonville. I get that. Go ahead. So what's Walker Little going to be like four years without playing in a game? Well, you know what I no, mean? Like, Cam Robinson's on the franchise tag, and he probably won't be back after this year, and they'll probably ask him to play left tackle. Right. But like, th- think about the amount of time that will have passed between Walker Little being like a full-time starting player. Like, be, like the last time he did that till the next time he's going to do it. We're, we're talking about half a decade, man. It's unreal. Which is, which is why I'm not – it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. When you look at this offensive line and – opportunities that there there may or may not have been to upgrade different spots along the line. I mean, we've been talking about AJ Ken as like a maybe a, a candidate to to be upgraded for three years now. And he Do just it. keeps keeps coming back. He's just persistently there. Uh, and it, as you said, you, you take into consideration um Bevel and, and that Seattle offensive line type, right? And uh, he fits that mold. So I get it. It makes sense from a what these coaches like perspective. And maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh by penalizing them by saying, you guys had an opportunity to actually upgrade a starting spot here. And I don't think you did that. Or I don't think you gave yourself a realistic chance to even come close to doing that. Um, But I gave him a three. I think that's you could do a lot worse. There are a lot worse offensive lines across the NFL, uh, some of which we may get to throughout the course of this series. Who knows? Um, but I, I just would have loved to have seen an improvement in one of those five starter spots. All right. Next up is the run game where the we talked about the offensive line, five returning starters. I think if there is a strength of what that group of players does, it is run block. And James Robinson coming off of a really good rookie season. Travis Etienne is a prized first-round pick. A lot of speed, explosiveness. Carlos Hyde is here, who's a really nice veteran to have in the room, in my mind. I know this team wasn't very good last year rushing the football in terms of rank rushing the ball. I'm going to pretend you didn't just pass over draft dudes alumni Divine Zigbo. Okay, Dariungumbula Ale is also part of this backfield. I mean, they got guys, right? They have a reasonable group of running backs. Twenty, But last year, they were 28th in the NFL in rushing yards per game, but they were 11th in yards per carry. Obviously, they were down a lot. They couldn't run the ball with any type of volume, but I do like that they averaged four and a half yards a pop. I oh, think that's this a chicken game, and that's a, that's a chicken versus the egg debate because were they getting four and a half yards a pop because everybody's playing soft because they're losing games? I don't know. I think James Robinson had a good year, and it's a veteran offensive line. So I think yeah, I think they have some reasonable ability to run the football. I think with this coaching staff, with this group of run blockers, with this stable of backs, I think it's a pretty good run game situation where Trevor Lawrence won't have to go into games and pass the ball 
40 times. So I'm giving this a solid four as well. I gave it a three and a half. So we're generally on the same wavelength. I appreciate the fact that there's depth in the backfield. There's some versatility. Um, as you said, stylistically, it's a match versus what both of these prominent coaches ha- have done in the past. There's, of course, a little bit of Ohio State flavor with Carlos Hyde and Urban Meyer, right? So uh, that was kind of the big joke. And in, in how many Ohio State connections are we going to tap into or University of Florida connections with Tim Tebow and all that kind of stuff? But, uh, yeah, I think this is a, an above-average group. Um the backs, I think, are more talented than the line, but I think it all meshes together fairly well. I gave him a three and a half. Well, one other note there. Chris Manhurts, a tight end they signed this offseason. He might be the best blocking tight end in the league, and they also drafted uh, Farrell from Ohio State, which that was his strength was, was run blocking. Yep, yep. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so next up we have pass catchers. Top three receivers, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. Tight ends, not necessarily known for their pass catching ability here in Manhurts and Farrell. And then uh, at running back, I guess your primary pass catcher is probably Travis Etienne. Shuby is making all kinds of expressions here. What did I miss? Miss tight end Tim Tebow. Oh, right. Exactly. Zero pass catching experience in the NFL. I am not counting on a thing for Tim Debo. He does not move the needle in this conversation one iota. So here's the thing. I like the receivers and the makeup of the room. I just don't know that I look at any one of those players and think, okay, this is the focal point. This is the guy that we can really lean on. A lot of good players. I just don't know that they have like this surefire go-to target so for me, plus you, you, kind of the lack of ex- experience in the run game, catching the football, as well as tight ends not really known for catching the football, I'm giving this a three and a half. So I'm with you on respecting the top level talent with DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. That's so a good group of two guys to have. LaVisca Chenault, if he can live up to his potential, has plenty of opportunity to be an impact player in the NFL. You mentioned the tight ends. I'm going to not mention tight ends for the rest of the segment because there's no reason to talk about, right? Travis (laughs) Etienne, they've kind of talked about their utilization for Travis Etienne. And it sounds like they're going to, they have a vision for him as far as being involved in the passing game. But I'm super concerned about the depth, right? You look at the top two names being DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. LaVisca Chenault has had injury issues going back to, University of Colorado. Can he stay healthy? Uh, your next group of guys is guys like Colin Johnson and Philip Dorsett and Jamal Agnew and Pharaoh Cooper and Jalen Camp and Laquan. Like, where's the depth? If one of those guys gets hurt, yeah. I mean, you, you're going to be in a bad way as far as your ability to go 11 personnel and uh, bring multiple 
uh, wide receivers and spread the field and space it out. So uh, I gave this group a two and a half. Um, I'm glad they signed Marvin Jones. Otherwise, this would be real ugly for them. Uh, I think there's some redeeming qualities here, but I think you look at this group of pass catchers and I can't say this is an average group for a wide or for a quarter, a rookie quarterback walking in. So I gave him a two and a half. I'm a little lower than you. Well, I, I think if you bring the depth piece of the conversation and, and buying into that a little bit more, I can see why you, you came to that. conclusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The last category is defense. And Kyle, I look at this defense edge oh, corner linebacker looks good. <laughs> This yeah. interior defensive line and safety are well below average. And you have a defensive coordinator here in Joe Cullen, who's never been a coordinator in the NFL before. So I have some, some questions about this. This isn't a defense that you can lean on, I think, right? There's some potency about what's happening on the perimeter. Up the middle, I have questions and obviously kind of a raw coaching experience. I'm giving it a two and a half, slightly below yeah. average. And, oh, by the way, you're playing in the AFC South where you're going to have to face Derrick Henry twice a year. You're going to have to face... Uh, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts twice a year. Yeah. So that's a good point, man. You're not really built to handle that at all. No, no, you're not at all. So, <laughs> uh, I think the divisional layer makes it an even harder pill to swallow. I gave this group a two. Uh, there is some good young talent here Josh Allen, Caleb on Chase on. Uh, I, I like uh, Shaq Griffin, who they signed in free agency. Uh, Miles Jack, obviously. Uh, super athletic, versatile guy. Joe Schobert is a good linebacker in the NFL, uh, but the safeties are in a brutal way. Uh, the corners are inexperienced outside of Griffin. They have Henderson, who was not good last year's top 10 pick. They drafted Tyson Campbell with the 33rd overall pick this year. Uh, again, the, the, the depth, uh, I think, up the middle, uh, your defensive tackles, Devon Hamilton, who we liked coming out of Ohio State. Taven Bryan has not lived up to expectations. Doug Costin, Malcolm Brown, Jay Tufele. Like, you need to be able to have some rotation here because if you go nickel, you're going to get run over. And um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they need Malcolm Brown I, in a big way to like have his best year. So I gave it a two. Uh, I agree with you. It's not a group that you can really lean on. Uh, some redeemable qualities, but at the same time, I'm lukewarm at best on what this defense is going to look like this year. All right. So my total, my tally comes to 19.75. 16 and a half. (laughs) So slightly like average is 15. So this isn't like a, a complete awful situation, but it's certainly not something where I think, we look at this and say, you know what? They really got this thing set up for Trevor Lawrence. And I guess on one hand, that's to be expected. This team is completely switching general managers, coaching staff. They earned the number one pick in the draft, right? This obviously is a very incomplete team. Could be worse, those things considered. Chris? So I, I'm keeping track of this for us here on a spreadsheet, and I just I want to make note of something. I'm not taking a shot at either one of you here, but Joe, you gave out two fours here for Trevor yeah. Lawrence. Kyle, you didn't give out any. So I'm just intrigued to see yep. if that is a high bar that needs to be cleared, or are we going to see a couple of fours given out per, uh, for each quarterback? So just something to keep an eye on is that Joe gave out two of them. Kyle, you gave out none through the first quarterback. Yeah, I'm expecting myself to probably be a little bit more of a stingy greater than Joe. Um, we'll see. Time will tell. You know, maybe maybe there's a collective group that I fall in love with uh, that 
Joe's more lukewarm on, but I think this is, I would expect you'll see Joe be a little bit more gracious throughout the course of the week uh, with everybody, but time will tell. That's why we got to play the games. Yeah. And I, I mean, the fours that I gave were run game and offensive line, and that is me buying into the continuity, the style of blockers, the history of scheming up the run that we've seen from their coaches and and then I do like the stable. I mean, James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, Travis Etienne. I think that's something that tra- if Trevor Lawrence is going to ha- or, or the Jaguars are going to hang their hat on something that they have in place that I think can be successful that can help Trevor Lawrence. To me, it's that. And so th- I, I really rewarded him for that. I want to just chime in on this regret as we close down today. I wish we would have done this with last year's crew. Because right. I'm sitting here thinking about you know, we've we've talked about the situation that Joe Burrow walked into last year. Right. Right. And I'm sitting here asking myself what I would have given Cincinnati for Joe Burrow last year. And um, I could tell you probably wouldn't have cleared 15. Now, I wrote an article that that when I thought about doing this concept, I was thinking about the article that I wrote for Cincinnati on Joe Burrow and how I, I didn't do it exactly the same, but it was like above average, average, whatever. And like, I was pretty harsh and deservedly so on, on that infrastructure. It, it was not good. I mean, their quarterback, I'm just thinking out loud, you know, we were down on Zach Taylor. Uh, they had a very inexperienced quarterbacks coach. Uh, Poop offensive line. The offensive line was terrible. Uh, the quarter backs was Ryan Finley and Jake Dalagala or something like that. Um, The pass catchers was probably the most redeeming group. Um, Defense. Nope. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that might've been like a 12 in hindsight. So be, (laughs) be really, maybe we got to do this with the year two guys. I think that's another really interesting conversation because, you know, you, you got Herbert and Tua and Burrow and they all tried to make investments around them. And I don't know. I think that might be a fun exercise too, Chris. Well, I can tell you Josh I'll, Allen and Josh Allen in 2018 would have been sub 10. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. I, I went through this in my head. No doubt in my mind. That's a sub 10. Just wait, just wait till you see we have what I have for Zach Wilson tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Well, I, I think to Kyle's point here, and, and we can go back and do the guys from last year, I guess, in a couple of weeks. because We have a couple concepts for the mm-hmm. remainder of, of the month in the beginning of August, but we should do this before the season starts. I think what will be interesting now is now that we've started it with these guys, now next year we have a comparison point. Where right. We evaluate these guys going into year two. We can look at, okay, did they really get better in the areas that they needed to get better in to really oh, build yeah. around this guy? So I think this is a really cool little look, and we're going to have this down, uh, you know, recorded into, into history that we can go back next year and look at well there you have it so make sure you hit subscribe here on the draft dudes podcast training camp when when do dallas opens training camp when like real soon like just around the corner so yeah football's about to be back baby this is uh i think the last monday without training camps don't quote me on that but uh by the end of the month today's the 19th you do the math we hope you do the math. Come back. See us again tomorrow. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. Thanks always for listening to Drafty's Podcast.